Welcome to the Ars Equi Podcast, a series of discussions between legal researchers and experts on all things related to law and technology. And now, here are your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Tima, and welcome to another episode of the Ars Equi Podcast. As you know, we are currently in our series about porn and... Yeah, we're going to continue. This is the final episode in the porn series. So we hope you've enjoyed it thus far and we hope that you enjoy this final episode. Yes, we are looking at a different topic today, which is revenge porn. We've seen recently, so these are numbers from the UK, that uh, the numbers of revenge, reported revenge porn cases has skyrocketed during lockdown. Uh, which is something that I found quite interesting. You know, what this porn series has taught me is that during lockdown, human beings have been acting really crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, like everyone now has an OnlyFans. Mm. People are distributing revenge porn. It's like, it's too much. It's too much, guys. <laughs> we were talking about this earlier and I said, how about we just read a book? Like, yeah, like read a book and don't post people's nudes online. And that's the episode. Thank you for joining. <laughs> So we wanted to talk about revenge porn, one, because as Paul said, the numbers are skyrocketing and also because I think it's a really important issue, especially from the perspective of women, because um, the victims of revenge porn are predominantly women. And we think that it's an important thing to discuss for young women out there so that we know how we can protect ourselves when we send images to people that we might trust or when we have our images leaked online. Like, what exactly do you do? And we want to provide you with the tools to navigate this. So in detail, we will look at the criminal consequences of uh, revenge porn. We'll then look at how what you can legally do to take this content down. Um, also look at the consequences of um, or how you remove stuff that you maybe once consented to but no longer want on the internet. Um, plus we are giving you some practical advice how to proceed if you're a victim of revenge porn. Exactly. So I think let's start with the definition for those of our older viewers, you know, who might not know what we're talking about. Revenge porn essentially is uploading sexually explicit material of a person that you might have had a prior intimate relationship with or currently in an intimate relationship with with the intent to humiliate or intimidate the subject yeah so this is uh essentially one subcategory of what we want to call um non-consensual pornography uh, which essentially is every piece of pornographic content that was either taken or uploaded, published uh, without the person portrayed consent. Exactly. So, yeah, so I think let's just dive right into kind of what the law says about revenge porn or non-consensual porn in general. And how is this treated in the, in the law in Austria? Yeah, so uh, in Austria, this is a criminal offense, which is punished under the rules for cyber stalking and cyber bullying. Uh, it's, the maximum fine is one year in prison, uh, but it has some quirks to it. So at the moment, you need to publish at least uh, two, so it must happen multiple times. So at least, for example, two pictures, two videos must be published, plus they have to be longer uh, online for a longer period of time. 
So um, this is something that is really, um, well, unnecessary really, but because what's the difference between one piece and two pieces? Mm. Um, and this is actually due to a quirk in interpretation of the wording of the law, which wasn't really clear in this regard. And so this is planned to be changed soon uh, so that at least, so that it just needs one uh, act of publication, but it still needs to be up loaded, published for a longer period of time in order to become a criminal offense. Mm, this might be a difficult question, but do you know if that period of time is specifically for the perpetrator or say if someone, if other people have now taken the content and recorded, screen recorded, whatever, uploaded it on their pages, will that also count towards the period of time? I would also say that this would count. So it's just like that the content has been published and the victim has been influenced by this for, for not just like a couple of minutes, yeah. but uh, rather for a longer period of time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's difficult to say because the emotional trauma experience with it being up for an hour as opposed to it being up for a day it might still, it might, you know, it, I don't know if it should be compared or if, sh if it should be weighted. Yeah, I mean, the idea behind this is if it isn't published for a longer period of time and no, not as many people see it, then the state shouldn't really punish somebody for it and send somebody for prison um, to mm. this. Um, but the, the civil consequences are still there. Mm. Um, and and um, also other different crimes could apply, for example, in cases of sextortion. So if somebody gets blackmailed with and threatened by uh, the publishing of, of explicit content online, then this is also punishable depending on if you have financial gain or just want to threaten and intimidate somebody, um, have different uh, ranges uh, mm. in, in punishment. That's really interesting. I mean, on the African continent, the laws are quite different depending on where you are. So I think I'll, I'll talk about uh, one country that laws are a bit on the far extreme side. And then I'll talk about Nigeria and South Africa, obviously, which I'm more familiar with, who have what I think to be more progressive laws in this area. But um, on the continent, there's been a real push by women's rights activists for legislators and governors to see revenge porn or the publishing of non-consensual pornographic content as gender-based violence and they mm -hmm. want government and regulators to treat it as seriously as they do other gender-based violence crimes mm -hmm. so based on that there's been a real push by activists to really get involved in the space and we've seen a lot of laws really develop in recent years from this so we'll start with Uganda, and Uganda is a bit on the ex uh, the wrong side mm -hmm. of, of things. Um, shout out to my Ugandans, <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. But um, Uganda has an anti-pornography law which was passed in 2014, and the anti-pornography law was really celebrated when it was initially passed, from what I'm mm -hmm. reading. Religious leaders, cultural leaders, activists really thought it would be a positive thing because it was going to really tackle child pornography. It was going to tackle um, human trafficking and issues of indecency. And human trafficking is a really big problem on the continent that we're dealing with. So this was seen as something really progressive. It, it, it for sounds Uganda good until now. Yeah. yeah. So it was all peaches and cream. And then... <laughs> It ended up being that in the way the law was presented, although this might not have been intentional, but the application of the law has actually had negative effects on some victims of revenge porn. So um, this is mostly based on the definition of pornography that the law has now enshrined. 
and it defines pornography as any representation through publication, exhibition, cinematography, indecent show, information technology, or, or by other means of a person engaged in explicit sexual activity or representing sexual parts for with the intent of sexual excitement, right? So it's a really kind of broad mm-hmm. definition. And what's happened is that when girls have taken images of themselves and sent it to guys and then it's the guys have published this in an act of revenge porn the girls in the vid in the images or the videos have been seen by the law to be participating in the creation of pornography so they have been seen to be either exhibiting showing and doing indecent shows indecent cinematography and they have been prosecuted under this law which is completely backwards obviously because like in in with porn regulation in general and also sex work uh, more broadly uh you on the one hand of course have like the protection of the consumer in mind of the person watching it and like indecency and mm-hmm. stuff but also the person's portrayed exactly uh, so they are protected as well and this is like completely uh, disregarding this exactly because it creates this blanket prohibition on nudity or like mm-hmm. nude content or pornographic content and a blanket prohibition kind of doesn't acknowledge the nuances of consent lack of consent being forced to do something being in- incited to do something you know what i mean so it's like mm-hmm. the law creates an issue where it should actually be protecting victims it prosecutes victims so there's an example of a 23 year old university student um, who was arrested and had to appear in court in Kampala and she was later released on bail but essentially she had to appear in court because of this issue right and i'm not I'm not sure what ended up happening with that case, but that was one of the real cases that brought a lot of activists coming out and saying, "Listen, we have to look at the law. We have to change the law because this anti this anti-pornography law is so vague and so broad that it can be applied in a way that really harms women who mm-hmm. are essentially mostly the victims of crimes like this." Yeah. Yeah, so so that's what is on that side and then you have countries which are in my opinion quite progressive in this area so for example Nigeria has um the cyber crimes act where in essence the reading of section 24 of the cyber crimes act talks about the publication of indecent or pornographic content for the purpose of causing danger obstruction intimidation ill will anxiety to another person mm-hmm. and the law says that publication of such content with that intent is a cyber crime. So in that way revenge porn is punished under the Cyber Crimes Act and if you're guilty you could end up paying a very hefty fine or spend up to 3 years in prison. And South Africa has something that's pretty similar. Um in the Films and Publication Amendment Bill, South Africa has kind of identified knowingly distributing private sexual images or films in any medium through the internet without the prior consent of the individuals portrayed in the images or films and that is a crime um which holds up to 4 years in prison and 300,000 rand fine. Yeah, so these countries really essentially similar to Austria really uh, yeah. break down on this uh even with with higher fines. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that it's all in 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 bills like cyber crimes mm-hmm. act or in the 
communications or film and publication act Mm -hmm. so they're kind of putting revenge porn as all these other crimes and not prosecuting it as a sexual offense yeah Yeah. uh, true also in austria the one is like cyber stalking Mm. and not like also like systematically not in the the sexual uh, sex crime Mm. um, part of the law that's true i mean i don't know do you think that it because i mean like i said activists are pushing for it to be sexual offense so these people can be put on like a sexual offenders list and Mm -hmm. you know which comes with sexual offenses come with higher repercussions in our society Mm -hmm. than a communications or like a cyber crime you know sort of offense so my question is do you feel like this is something that legislation legislators should consider or do you feel like what is in place now is enough to deter people from posting revenge porn i mean i don't know about the deterrence effect because statistically raising fines doesn't really change much in in the deterrence um but like systematically it might make sense to move this um and to to also like really emphasize this because even if like a four-year prison fine versus a five-year prison time doesn't really make much difference in the eye of the offender Mm. um something like a registry for sex offenders might really do yeah i think so and i also think maybe one of the things is i don't think people understand that you can go to jail yeah I, I don't think people get it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I feel like they think it's just jokes. It's like a ha-ha. Especially you young people, like you you under 21s. Like they think it's just jokes and they think that they can post stuff like this. And I don't think a lot of people understand the repercussions. So I do agree. Maybe if you made it a sexual offense, it would be a more publicized thing and people would really take it seriously. But... Yeah, it's difficult. But I do think that what governments are doing right now, I'm happy with the way that they are handling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, plus um, this, at least for the Austrian case, I'm just reading through the law, um, isn't even limited to pornography in this case. But it's like if if some if a stalker f- f- takes a photo of you uh, at home, uh, it will most probably, at least in my reading now, um, will also f- fall under this rule. Mm. So this really like is, is quite broad and, and yeah. there is definitely a, a way there to, to fight against this. Yeah, so there may be positives in keeping it broad. and But yeah, at mm. the end of the day, I think it's a positive thing that governments are and regulators are realizing that this is an issue and are addressing it. So I think that's a step in the right direction. Definitely. Yeah. So um, the criminal consequences don't necessarily mean that this is how you get it offline because this is just punishing the, the perpetrator, but the platform might keep it online or the perpetrator isn't, at least by law, required to take it down. Um, so what we want to look into now is the civil law side of this, so what you can actually do on the legal uh, side to, against platforms, but also against um, people uploading this. Um, to get your content down. So um, for Austria, and I think this is internationally uh, quite similar, there's a couple of different aspects. For one, there is copyright. So if the pictures are, I mean, this is not really any porn specific stuff, but like that's also possible here. Uh, if you took the pictures, you they might be copyright protected and mm. you can get them down uh, this way. Um, but also you have uh, on the one hand, a right to um, your presentation and, and to decide about this. So in Austria, this is also uh, codified in the copyright code, essentially the right to your own 
liking mm. um, and if the person uh, publishing pictures of you for example also not limited to porn but in general um, doesn't have a legitimate interest to have this published then you could um, well tell them to to take it down yeah um, so how is this uh, different internationally do you know any I mean I think it's it's generally the same right so you mm-hmm. could have a copyright claim if you took the photo and essentially you own the rights to the photo they don't have a right to distribute it you haven't granted them a license to distribute your images um, in South Africa you could have a claim under the protection of personal information act so this is kind of a data protection claim mm-hmm. um, where you could um, have a, a non-patrimonial damages claim against the party for kind of infringing on your data protection rights or your right to be forgotten. You, all of these type of rights come into play and you mm-hmm. could sue on that basis. I mean, it's also interesting that you say damages because you can also obviously f- suffer monetary damages if exactly. you, um, for example, get have uh, problems in your job based mm. on this. Um, so this is also a way to like get a compensation for this. Yeah, so you could also have a delictual claim. Mm-hmm. So that's where you would bring in kind of the pain and the suffering and you would go to a court and say, because of this, I suffered pain, defamation to my character, injury to my character, loss of income, all of these things. And then you could sue on that basis and essentially have a pay, have damages paid to you from the perpetrator. So these are more of the like legal aspects of this. Um, what can you do in a practical sense? Right. So obviously all the things that we've said are things that take time. You know, yeah. it's not like you're going to get a civil claim tomorrow. So if you if something like this happens to you and you need these images to be taken down straight away, there are other things that you could do. Firstly, you could contact a lawyer and your lawyer will send a takedown notice to all the platforms where the images have been posted. Um, and then in that way, the platforms will have to take the images down. Or if you can't afford a lawyer, you could do it yourself. Um, when I was researching, I saw like Pornhub, Facebook, Instagram, a lot of these platforms, Twitter as well, have... Um, special forms that you Mm -hmm. can fill in and you can say and the forms kind of ask what is this image about did you consent to this image being posted things like that and you can fill that in and then the platform then will have a responsibility to take the photos down i don't know how long this takes they don't really say they Mm. say like they'll get to it as soon as possible they treat it as a matter of urgency seems a bit like sketchy honestly yeah i'm not sure how long that would take but that is something that you can do Mm. um you could also go to there's a lot of private companies that are dealing with stuff like this so kind of private cybersecurity companies um which specialize in facilitating for content removal so you can lodge and manage an application with them and what what's cool about them is that they'll be able to track other platforms where the images have spread to and perhaps help you take them down in that way yeah so this is like one of the hard parts in this that um content in in general is spreading so fast online and you don't know uh if you take it down on one platform if somebody else hasn't copied it copied it or screenshotted it or whatever exactly so those private companies are able to help you see that and help you figure out you know how to do that and obviously all of this costs money you know Mm -hmm. so another option that's free is some countries like the uk has a revenge porn hotline where people can call and then you have 
a government agency that's specifically dedicated to assisting you in this area and giving you the tools about how to get content like that removed in that specific jurisdiction. Mm. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a difficult thing. And these practical steps often require you to have the monetary means to go to a lawyer, go to a private company, or you're at the mercy of the platform Mm. and you have to wait for them to look at your report and look through everything and then decide, okay, we're going to take it down. Yeah, so it really isn't that easy. So there are um, possible services that you can use, but uh, in the end, um, it is a difficult situation. Yeah, it's a very difficult situation. And you can't control how far this thing is going to spread. You can't control, you know, how long it's going to take for this content to be removed. And I think that's what's really the hardest part is having to wait around for the law to assist you when you're a victim. So speaking of content removal, you might also want to get content removed that you posted once um, and you consented or somebody else posted for you and you consented. So uh, not the revenge porn case, but essentially uh, withdrawing your consent afterwards. So how is this treated legally? I mean, like we said, it could end up being like a copyright claim. So if you own the rights to the photos and now you want you want to revoke the license that you mm-hmm. gave or something like that, it could end up being kind of a copyright or contractual claim or whatever contract you entered into with the um, platform. But mm-hmm. also you do have the right to be forgotten, right? So in the GDPR... Right. So this is one of the like poster things of the GDPR is the right to be forgotten and the right for content to be taken down. Um, but it essentially doesn't really go as far as it is advertised often. So uh, what the right to be forgotten essentially is, is that uh, you can uh, file a claim that a, a platform, for example, a controller should delete your data. They have to do this under certain, certain circumstances, for example, if you withdraw your consent or if the legal basis is invalid or if they didn't have a legal basis at all in the beginning, for example, in the, in the uh, case of non-consensual pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and what they also have to do, and this is the right to be forgotten, is they have to uh, inform other platforms that might have linked to this content or copied the content uh, to also take this down. So essentially having to spread the word uh, to other platforms. But only if this is technically feasible for them and obviously um, often their, their possibilities to do this easily will be limited. Right, so when you exercise, so say you fill in that non, that form, right, that a lot of these mm-hmm. platforms have, then you say, there's content of me, I didn't consent, I would like it removed. Are you, in essence, exercising this right to be forgotten? I mean, I'm not sure it will probably depend um, on, on the wording in all of this, because there, in, at least in the GDPR, the two separate rights, mm-hmm. the right to erasure that just uh, concerns one different data, uh, so one special data controller, and the right to be forgotten is essentially the, the spreading of the information. Oh, I see. Um, but what is also interesting, because you were talked, we were talking about um, revoking licenses and, and such, there is an interesting case in Austria on this where one model granted an irrevocable license uh, for a nude photo shoot to the photographer or the agency or whoever, uh, but later decided that this was a bad idea and changed her mind uh, yep. <laughs> and, and wanted it taken down uh, and went to court over this. 
where essentially the question was, can you revoke an irrevocable license? And the court said yes, uh, because in such an extreme case, um, your right to um, your privacy essentially uh, supersedes the right to, to this contract. Mm. So they upheld the right to privacy above the up, up, upholding, binding her to this contract. Exactly, yes. Which makes sense, you know. So that brings us to the end. Paul, what is the moral of this whole revenge porn story for you? So two morals, really, of the story. On the one hand, revenge porn can have serious consequences, so you can go to jail for this. So I guess don't do it. Uh, on the other hand, um, being uh, a victim of revenge porn, uh, you have some remedies against it, but it still is a hard situation and, uh, well, complicated to, to maneuver even legally. Yeah, and I'll add to your first moral and really emphasize, like, just don't, don't do it, guys. Just don't do it. There's no reason to do it. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to hurt people. Just don't post people's sexual content online. Yeah, just don't no. do it. Don't do it. And also, I think I would say to younger girls, you know, be really careful and really cognizant about the photos that you take of yourself and who you share those images with. Make sure that you're 110% certain that if things go south, this person is not going to expose your photos and try to bring you mm -hmm. down and post negative things about you online. And also, yeah, just really take care of yourself try as best as you can not to take these photos because it's really, really difficult to get these images taken down and it could follow you for the rest of your life and you just don't really want that. So take care of yourselves and don't post people's nudes online. So I think that's a good wrap up for not only this episode, but the whole series on internet pornography and the law. Thank you very much for listening to us. We really had a lot of fun making this uh, series. Maybe too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I hope you had to. Uh, and, well, thank you also for, our, uh, for your feedback. Uh, we really, really uh, enjoyed reading from you and, and really uh, we're glad about your comments and that you liked it. Yes, and we will be back in two weeks with a brand new series, so please stay tuned. And yeah, we're going to have some guests on with us, try to shake things up a little bit. Exciting. Exciting times ahead. So we look forward to you listening. And thank you again for listening to another episode of the RS Equity Podcast. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RS Equity Podcast. Check out our other podcast, Ars Boni, brought to you by the Department of Innovation and Digitalization in Law. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and leave your comments down below. Thank you again, and join us next time on the Ars Equi Podcast.